Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for life. We, we thank you for strength and health. We thank you for a right mind. We thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit interceding for us when we don't know what to pray for and when we don't know what to seek after. We thank you for living, leaving us with your word to help us navigate this life and all the turns and obstacles and things that stand in our way. We know that in your truth, there's always an answer to the things that we endure. There's always uh, an already established uh, definitive answer for what we encounter. Uh, we pray that all those who don't know you will come to know you and that they will not harden their hearts and be able to receive the blessings, not just in this life, but after this life is over. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I am going to actually take a short uh, break from talking about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. I, we are on a series. I, I believe we've covered three parables that Jesus spoke of uh, regarding what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And we're going to get into... Uh, really what's what's also very needed in this season and it's destroying the lies of the enemy it's shining the light of christ on the darkness that is leading people astray and i'm not talking about the darkness that's of the world that's uh that's supposed to happen obviously that's it's of the world it's the way the world operates it's dark they don't have the light of christ but we're going to actually get into the darkness that exists in church institutions, the darkness that looks so deceptive. Uh, it looks so real um, that is actually a um, it's actually a false light, a false truth. Uh, and the reason why we're going to get into this is not just because it's leading people astray, but for those who are looking to understand God's mandate for the believers, those who come into the faith, understanding this is very important. And the reason why it's so important is because if we don't have the absolute truth, then we cannot know how to walk in the will God has for us. We can't have part of the manual to figure out how we operate a vehicle. We can't have just piece of the instructions to be able to put together something that we really don't uh, have any experience in. We don't know. And maybe we've messed around with something for a while. We've we've toyed with it. You know, I remember when I used to uh, back in the day, have a, I had a VHS uh, player that we would watch our movies on and we all knew how to put the, uh, the, the cassette in there hit the play button, push rewind, push forward. But then they came out with this op this option to record uh, what you wanted to watch. And then they came out with more options, more different um, uh, tools, I guess you will, to enhance your viewing experience. And eventually there was all kind of gadgets on the thing. And they always sent, no matter the upgrade, a manual 
to help you understand how to actually use and get the most out of the cassette player. And I'm I'm definitely one that's guilty of just trying to figure it all out with never reading the manual. And I, I would find myself sometimes tearing up the tape or recording over something that I didn't want to record over or just somehow breaking it or shutting it down because I never took the time to actually figure out all the instructions that is given to make sure I operate it in a successful way. Same thing applies to the faith. We can't have peace of the word of God. We can't have the part we like or the part that seems to be most inspirational or the part that comes to us at a time of darkness and think we can navigate God's will for our life for just pieces. We need all of the truth. And Satan knows this. That's why he always pushes the most compelling uh, picture to us, the most uh, fleshly gratifying show, if you will. I mean, who's not, especially in this season right now, who's not challenged with financial issues? I mean, you got gas prices that are rising up. You got food prices that are rising up. The cost of living and everything else is going up. And what better time would it would be for a preacher to come out and say, God, wants to bless you. He wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing where there would not be room enough to receive it. This is a perfect time to have that kind of sermon because a lot of people are looking for some financial support. But when you go into these institutions and they preach these messages, but they don't tell you that God doesn't bless someone who's hateful. He doesn't bless someone who's uh, unforgiving. He doesn't uh, he doesn't make a way for someone who won't obey his will. Then you're follow you find yourself chasing after ultimately false prophecies and false teachings. Does God want to bless you? Absolutely. Does he want to make a way? Absolutely. But there's an there's an expectation for obedience to the unadulterated, complete word of God that opens up those doors. That allows us to walk in the favor, the calling, the 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 anointing that God has put over our life. And unfortunately, because we don't understand this truth, we sit in settings where we're being taught things that don't meet the consistency of God's word. And really, end of the day, we're just being led astray. But we have to know the word of God. And more importantly, when we know the word of God, we have to know who's actually bringing forth God's truth. Who is actually speaking his word as they should and not what they think and what they feel. A part of this ministry, this faith and what God has called us to do, there there are three major uh, mandates that is given to the believers. Those who are disciples, those who God has uh, given the authority to through Christ Jesus uh, to be followers of Christ. And, and, and those three things are one, uh, Paul writes that we have to expose unfruitful works of darkness. We have to pull out the light of Christ and we have to shine it on darkness. 
The next thing we have to do is we have to fight for the faith. And Jude explains this in Jude 3, uh, verse one, Jude 1, verse 3, that we have to uh, stand and fight for the faith. And the third thing is we have to pull down strongholds. We have to devour, destroy these barriers that are put up to keep people from actually seeing the truth of God's word. All right. That's that is three mandates that we are obligated as believers to do. All right. And we're going to look at one of the most excellent writings of Paul in a letter that he writes to the elders of Ephesus and how he urges them of what they need to do when he leaves, when he departs in his, when he basically takes his final breath. And we're going to break down this letter because I believe if we look at this letter in its entirety and go through it piece by piece and match it up with the people who are preaching today, the prominent the wealthy, the uh, appear to be successful preachers and ministers of today, then we can easily see the mass deception that is being uh, used to lead people astray. So yes, uh, we're going to get into Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And Paul writes this letter. Uh, he, he says in verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders to the church. And when he had called, when he had come to him, he said to them, know you from the first day that I came from when I came from Asia in the manner that I was that I always live with you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So let's stop right there. Paul is saying that he served, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and trials, meaning he was going through the storm. He was being uh, persecuted by the Jews who plotted him, God's people. Today, they would be called, uh, if you look at it in, in America, they'd be called the church folks. And they plotted against Paul and it put him through a whole lot of trials. But in all that, he continued to stay humble and serve the Lord. All right. And next verse, he says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, the other day, someone told me when I called out three of the prominent preachers who teach complete falsehood that I shouldn't be saying things like this on social media. It's like we need to go, you know, in a quiet space and talk about these things that people are saying and, 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 and not expose them. You say you're, you, you have uh, a zeal, but you don't have any wisdom. And I look at what Paul talks about here and he taught the word of God in public to the elders, to the Ephesians, and from house to house. 
So he was out proclaiming. And when you look at even the ministry of Jesus Christ, he rebuked the Pharisees in public in broad daylight. He called them out. He told them, in fact, that they are Satan's children. He didn't take them off into the corner somewhere. And here's the reason why. Because God's word isn't hidden in a corner or in some type of a closed setting. His word is supposed to be proclaimed throughout the world. And if you don't want to share all of his truth and you don't want to be bold about it, then you really don't believe in what you read. Paul, Paul only follows the steps that Jesus Christ took when he walked the earth. And he said in verse 21, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks. The Jews are the believers. They're supposed to be the people of God. And the Greeks were not. They were not of the faith. And what did he tell them? He says, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance. So, again, let's look at the preachings that we hear from Pastors, whether prominent or just general, you know, no one knows about them. Your everyday a church on the corner. Uh, they talk. He, he taught about repentance, testified about repentance and faith, repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I hear so many preachers today and you will not hear one single uh, statement about repentance. I was talking to my mother the other day and, you know, I, I told her, I said, what, what, what would you think would happen if someone like Joel Osteen walked in and told his congregation that not only he had to repent, but everybody else in there had to repent? He would clear out the church. It would be it would be uh, ghosts in there. Because repentance uh, it, it do away with this doctrine of today, this doctrine of self. That you look in the mirror, you declare all these things to yourself, missing the complete fact that you are a wretched sinner in need of a savior. So we, when we move on, we look at verse 22, it says, And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying the chains and tribulations uh, await me. Paul is moving from city to city, not knowing what's coming his way, but he understands through the Holy Spirit who's leading him that everywhere he goes, he's going to be suffering in chains and being, being going through tribulation. And, and, and this is because he is testifying publicly and even house to house privately about repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. This is very important to realize when you compare the works that Paul did the, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you look at these prominent uh, mass crowd preachers today, where is their change in tribulation? Where is their persecution? They live lavish lives and you have uh, uh, millions behind them waiting on that blessing rather than going through suffering, as the Bible says, because if you suffer with Christ, you shall reign with him. But you don't see that. 
You see people who give these uh, seven steps to your blessing preachings and not one step includes repentance. And in verse 24, he says, but now, but he said, but none of these things move me for I do not count my life dear to myself so that I finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He said none of this stuff moved him. He wasn't concerned about the chains and tribulation that he was facing or the ones that he already had endured because he wasn't concerned about his life. He wasn't worried about uh, you know, his his comfort zone, as you hear so many preach about today. Get into this quote unquote happy place. He said he's going to continue to do regardless of what's coming so that he can run his race with joy. And the ministry. that he received from the Lord, which was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In verse 25, he said, indeed, now I know that. You all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, what is Paul talking about the blood of all men? The Bible says that if we do not warn the wicked and they sin and the sin ends up destroying them, it says the Bible says the blood is on our hands. But if we warn them and they still sin and mess their life up, then we saved our soul. We good to go. And Paul is telling us that he's not concerned about uh, the blood of all men. Basically, he didn't hold back anything in his teachings. That's what he's saying. He gave it all out there. You couldn't run under a rock and hide because Paul turned that rock over and shined a light on there and said, look, this is wicked too. This needs repentance. That needs repentance. He didn't leave no stone unturned. Very important piece because I, I listened to preachers today and they said they got a niche. They got their own particular area where God has anointed them to preach in. And it usually falls along the line of something like, you know, you are, uh, made for greatness and that's it no obedience to the will of god no submission no test testimony no living proof just you know you were made for greatness so when you get up in the morning every day look in the mirror and you tell yourself this you know so and that's again it shines a light on who's actually preaching to us in verse 27, it says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. Not the little part that was convenient, the part that really didn't bring persecution, the part that most people weren't worried about. He gave the entire counsel of God. He spoke, if you look at Paul, his writings, not just uh, to the Ephesians, but in every letter that he wrote to Timothy, uh, to the Romans, you can see that Paul was always making sure that he covered every angle of a person's life who claims to be in the faith so that there couldn't be no false understanding about how they ought to walk. Oh, no one told me this. Or no one told me that. Whatever the Holy Spirit made known to Paul, he made known to the body of Christ. 
He didn't have a niche. His niche was obedience to the entire will of God. It said, verse 28, take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock of whom which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. You know, I used to go to a church uh, a while ago and they were talking about how they're going to get the next pastor to come into the church. A pastor abruptly left and I never got the reason why. And they were trying to figure out who's going to replace him. So what they did was they sent a survey out to the church members to be able to hone in on what type of pastor they wanted to hear from. Who they wanted to oversee them. That is, I mean, if that's not being conformed to the world, then I don't know what is. There was never a time in scripture from the Old Testament to the book of Revelation where there was a time where the people God called sent a survey to the people that were following the leaders of the church or the leaders of God's people and asked them, well, who do y'all want to lead y'all now? Paul says right here, the Holy Spirit had made them overseers to shepherd the church. Not the congregation, <laughs> because if you look at the, the privacy of, of the Israelites and, and, and the people who God himself said, these are my holy chosen people. They were some of the most wretched people before you even got to hear about the Greeks. The things they did, the desire that they had to go back to Egypt after all God did to free them. And they were right around the corner for the promised land. And yet they out here making uh, statues worshiping them instead of God and, and complaining about what they have to eat because they're back they're not back in in bondage but you send a survey out to these people and say listen you tell me if you want Moses or you want Joe or you want Tim or you you know we did our interviews we got the resumes who you want to come be your preacher absolute falsehood period in verse 29, he said, for know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Not sparing the flock. Very, very powerful statement. What does he mean by not sparing the flock? All we got to do is just go back up and look at what Paul was talking about. How he gave them the complete counsel of God how the leaders were selected through the Holy Spirit, how they, how he talked repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord. He said they, these savage wolves will come in and they will give complete opposite truths to God's word. They will deviate from the counsel of God, his total counsel, and they will bring in falsehood and they won't spare anybody for any reason. They want to see everybody led astray. In verse 30 said, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Well, you have to be spiritually blind not to see that today. Many people are following behind a preacher 
They will stand and fight you to your face if you call a preacher out. I'd sold a, 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 I sold a, I shine a light on a truth that I found out, which I mean, it's a lie, but the truth about what this preacher was doing, uh, Billy Graham, I didn't even know that back in 1978, he made a statement that said he no longer believes that Jesus Christ was the only way. He said in this, I mean, these, this is years ago. I'm thinking this statement was that I'm the one I'm looking at was when he had uh, towards the end of his life where he's pretty much said, you know, the same thing, a similar statement. And this statement he made years ago, he said that he believes that, you know, they can get in contact with God through, through nature. And again, where is that in the Bible? When I, when I exposed this lie, someone came to me and said, you are lying and it's coming from the pits of hell. Defending a preacher rather than defending the word of God. And how did Paul know this? How could he talk about this and, and profess this hundreds, thousands of years before we see the ministers we see today before we see a Billy Graham only through the Holy Spirit made it known to him. It says in verse 31, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. So he knew what was coming against the people of God, the body of Christ. And three years he spent telling them. That you need to be on guard because they're going to come in when I leave. In verse 32, he says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which you are a which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. In verse 33 says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. He said, yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord. That he said, it's a it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's. Interesting that Paul says that when you have pastors that have millions of dollars and you have people in their church trying to figure out how they're going to fight against or survive the rising of, of gas prices and food because of inflation. I don't think that's a ticker in anybody's mind who has millions of dollars. Yeah, here is Paul, the last apostle and the minister that was called by Christ to outline the order and operation for the church going to get an actual job so that he wouldn't be a, be a burden on those who were weak or who couldn't uh, do for themselves or whatever the case may be, the challenges that they had. And because he worked and provided for him and those who he brought with him, he understood, he shows here that he understood that Jesus Christ said it's a blessing to give than it is to receive. It's more of a blessing. 
And then it finishes here in verse 36. He says that when he had said these things, they knelt down and prayed with them all. He knelt, And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they will see him no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. And this is Paul's final discussion, final interaction face to face with the Ephesians, the elders of the church of Ephesians. And, you know, you look at this last verse and yes, they were mad. They were sorrowful that they weren't going to see Paul face to face anymore. But the Bible says the most, the most sorrowful thing that they, that they heard was that he wasn't going to see them anymore. So they, you know, in, in, this is this is one of those statements that trying to you know kind of mess people up emotionally because you know you don't want to see your loved ones go and all sort of kind of stuff. But there's a reason why the Bible tells us that they're that the the words that was most disappointing to them, the words that really hurt their feelings the most, was that they didn't want they didn't want to hear that they weren't going to see him anymore. But the truth is. That just tells us that they were more concerned about Paul rather than the, what the Holy Spirit was telling Paul, which was to be watchful because when he leaves, these savages are going to come in not sparing the flock, drawing away disciples after themselves. That should have been the most sorrowful thing to hear. Not that Paul's leaving because he's not leaving you with no knowledge. He's not leaving you with any, without any understanding or anything to help fortify you and, and, and carry you through your walk with Christ. He's leaving you with all kind of phenomenal information. Same thing as Christ. He left, but he didn't leave us dry and high. He left his word that was given to us through the, the Apostle Paul and the disciples and above all things, the Holy Spirit. So, but when we look at the life of Paul, how he carried himself, how he walked, how he talked, how he ministered, his actions that he took on a daily basis, we can easily take Paul's life and match it to people who say they are ministers of God, say they are preachers, deacons, elders, and we can clearly see a significant difference in a lot of them. Because at the end of the day, Paul is clearly telling you through his life who these savage wolves are. Do they work or are they living off the income of the church? Do they preach the unadulterated, complete counsel of God or do they have pieces that they feel is better to keep the crowd happy and satisfied? Do they talk about how they have these great stories or testimonies or whatever the case may be that they heard a, someone had shared with them or they thought might have happened? Or do they say, uh, do they show that they're led by the Holy Spirit? Who picked them for the job? Right? This is essential pieces to the faith. We have to have these pieces to walk in the will of God or else Paul is saying that we've been led astray and follow after these, these wolves, these savages. 
We want nothing more but the end of the day to destroy your faith. And I don't mean destroy it to where you just stop believing. I mean destroy your faith to where you stop walking out what you believe. That's what these people are out here to do. It wasn't easy for Paul. Everywhere he went, he said that he was dealing with persecution, tribulation. And it's not going to be easy for anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Standing against darkness, fighting for what the faith really is, and coming against this wickedness and tearing down the strongholds is not supposed to be easy. But if we want it to be easy, then at the end of the day, that means we don't want to be with Christ. Because he told us clearly. He said, they're going to hate you. They're going to despise you. They're going to persecute you. Some even going to lose a life for the gospel. He said, but it is a blessing. He said, rejoice exceedingly because your reward in heaven is going to be great. And when he tells us that no eye has seen nor ears heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of those, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I can easily tell that what anyone can offer me on this earth is in no comparison to what God has stored up for us. Again, this is the season for mass deception. This is the season for people to go after the glitter, the glaring, the popping, the lights, the sounds, the effects, but not the change. That change that comes from really being crucified. Christ didn't have all power in heaven and earth when he walked the earth. He didn't have it all when he was casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead. He got it after he was crucified. So our, uh, our ability to rise up into the true will that God has for us, the crown that awaits us, we got to be persecuted. We got to go through it. Period. We can't avoid it. It's an inevitable thing that's going to happen, but it's worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it. Like I said before, you know, we're going to die anyways. Why not get an eternal reward for it? I don't want to live in hell and die and go to hell. Because I was too worried about what people say, how they felt, what they thought, how they going to look at me. If I was, you know, did I fit in with the crew, the crowd? I'd rather walk that narrow road, through that, get through that narrow gate, and to hit that broad road where everybody's laughing and having a blast, doing whatever they want to do, and find out at the end of that road, it ain't what that preacher told you it was. So again, let's get in the word of God. Let's take the examples of Paul who set the foundation for the church. The, the order for the body of Christ. And let's align his ministry to who else say they are ministers. If you're not being persecuted by the world and false church members, churchgoers, 
and everybody's saying that you are awesome, you're this, you're that. They they're giving you accolades and appreciations, and you hear everywhere and every all the time, and they just love you so much. It, it, Jesus already said, he said, you know, that's the same thing they said to the to the false prophets. It was excited about them. Everyone was. Woe unto you and all men speak well of you. So let's get in the word of God. Let's be encouraged and emboldened through the will, through the word, through the way of God. Let's look at the examples of the Apostle Paul. He had no place according to the world and even the, the Jews. He had no place to be in the ministry. He had no he had no right. He persecuted them. But God made their thought process foolishness so that his glory can be manifested in the earth and, and, and totally in the faith. Be encouraged in this season. Stay in the will of God. Walk in his will. Don't hand your faith over to falsehood. Vet everything that you hear. Align it with those who stood their the ground of their faith to their very to the final breath. So that way we can hear the master say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this life, this health, and strength that you provided all of us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. Satan, you're defeated. We already know it. And we're going to walk in this victory that we received regardless of what we go through. And I pray that all those who hear this word will let their hearts be open to the will of God so that they can receive the truth and walk in it. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.